I don't think that needs a trigger warning. No. That so. that wasn't the one. That wasn't the one? Oh. No. The no. one called I Thought About Killing Myself Today wasn't the one? No. That wasn't the one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was a bad day at work. <laughs> Got you. I was just like, fuck this. There's a park across the street from my work. And I'm like, see baby geese. And I'm like, I'm good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Introduction. I think it's integral to divorce ourselves entirely from this notion that you are your labor. What do you do? I'm a revolutionary with a pen. I'm a naively optimistic romantic. I'm a word alchemist. I'm an expansive universe of my own design. I'm a canvas of dead stars. I'm an existential anomaly only to myself. I'm a mosaic of everyone who sauntered into my life. I'm a symphony of guttural noises that died in my mouth, trying to convey complex emotion in a string of words. I am often the kind of eye rolling over dramatic that I've learned now as being unapologetic. I am tears and rain and whatever media I choose to consume in the days that follow. I am someone who dons their emotions both like an armor and a noose. I am not even considerate of being a protagonist in my own narrative. I am an amalgamation of the best and worst moments of my life. I am at best someone who doesn't know anything past a type of survival mode. I am too forgiving. I am a child that was forced to become a parent for others. I am writing this in the early witching hours before I begin my labor. What do you do for labor? Oh, all that and healthcare. A conversational checklist for your writer friends. 1. A penchant for long-winded metaphors. An expansive comprehension of vernacular jargon. Someone has brought up love or the moon or something celestial at least twice in conversation. Some of us are late-stage theater kids, and it shows. Alternatively, some of us are late-stage anime kids, and that also shows. You're now on your fourth smoke break of the evening, and you don't even smoke. Deeply traumatizing vulnerabilities are the more grounded parts of your exchanges. I now know a lot about tarot. These people have a way of making you always feel welcomed and supported. These people want to heal with you. Chances are good the same person you are amazed by also has imposter syndrome of some degree. Writing spaces often have very good tea selections. The quiet moments in the car before a social event. These few somber moments before pitting myself in uncharted terrain. The night is hyperbolic as I. Malleable, carrying many faces, regardless of the outcome, regardless if it contributes to my joy. I can't help but feel a shudder of apprehension, envisioning how this will affect my future self of tomorrow. Once the demon of establishing parking and crowded spaces has been vanquished, I'm cowering before the onslaught against my sobriety. What little financial well-being I possess. What is considered a polite enough amount in time to linger. Because by God, I will talk myself circles out of this engagement in just this car ride alone, if left to my own devices. Which in some capacity I am. I will pray to no one in particular, be it the pantheon or cosmic horror or the most minute of inconveniences towards me will present itself. I'm already here. 
I take a breath, and I leave the familiar anxious bunker I've so lovingly bestowed upon my Honda. Smoke signals. This song dissects me in a way no other can. I have no better words to offer, only to let the music be my guide. As a writer, I'm supposed to have a penchant to convey all the words and phrases that die on people's tongues. I want to offer something so complicatedly layered and profound, to belong to this deep, thoughtful work of artistry. And I can only hum along absent-mindedly to the lyrics I've etched into my mind's walls long ago. She spirits me away to nights my lungs would burst and my voice rasp in a cemetery of words from Bowie and Lemmy and Morrissey where nothing ever has to be shared. We let the bass lines and riffs be the only conversation we ever need. Saddened, it's not mine. But it belongs to all of us in those intimate, lonelier moments, to hang up our walls and look at this portrait with fondness. The ghost of a smile still lingers, just as the memory of those who have revolved in your life do. I hate that you're happy. 4V. You will never see this, and in this narrative, I'm allowed a moment of selfishness. My chances of competing with him were so bleak. He, in turn, was a shallow body of water you found yourself drowning in. Pretty to look at, but just that. He left you near homelessness, and still he was precious. He was first love, so he was infallible. He was streams of tears, late-night messages plotting your end, causing you to rely on bottles for warmth. He was lies you continued to justify. How could someone who offers so little offer you so much misery? And only through second-hand knowledge, I found out you're still with him. Maybe he truly is a changed and decent man. In my deepest well of hurt, in my most selfish narrative, he wasn't. Chimera. She gave me her reactionary bark of laughter in times of distress. He gave me strength to be gentle and kind. She is my reason for jaded weariness. He imparted with me a naive sense of trust. She is the breath in between my words. She also oxidizes the mind that grants me little reprieve. He is the exaggerated manner in which I speak. He makes me pine to be a better man. She grounds me in a way no one has ever before. He is a reminder of what I could have been. She is love personified. She was a lesson in holding no more room for people in your life. He is my impatient, wavering heart. He was my need to give my entirety, unabashedly. They have all granted strength in unexpected intervals. They were all varying degrees of reasons to live. Perhaps in some capacity, I also made up them. I forget the title for this one, so I'll just kind of make up one on the, on the fly. Because I have like so many just on my notes. Um, yeah. An artist touch. If I were to tear ravenously into my body... I'd find myself disappointed to see only the expected shades of blood in intestinal bile, rather than gaze intently into an encased universe of incomprehensible hues. 
Why does even my own palate betray me? My honest tones are the ones that remain too unconventional. Lavender bones entwined by an obnoxiously overbearing neon circulatory system pulsating with ichor blood. Colors that all but demand the manifestation of my canvas be acknowledged. But in that same vein, I want that same unconventionality to emulate the moments of my life that were sorely deprived of an artist's touch. Black no longer forebodes finality. Black and plentiful is the soil from which I'm learning to be nourished. Grayscale is just another primer that pleads to be created from. I'm often overlooking that something doesn't come from nothing. A base was essential before the first real strokes ever drew breath. And I know my canvas far more intimately than most. I've made a home in the residual fear of what the final result could be, while being the artist is nothing short of profound. Severing yourself as the art holds such a weight of compassion. To believe yourself as art implies an unabashedness of the value you have to offer to more wandering eyes, a momentary admittance of beauty brought to another's life. At what point did I become this mosaic of interwoven moments with others who take me in? I thought about killing myself today, until some baby geese at the park talked me down off my ledge. One exaggerated moment of digging into long, carterized wounds was overpowered by a tranquil moment, embellished with awe for these little beings navigating their own crease of the world. In this little Eden, in which these little goslings will come to call their own, before they are resigned to become the embodiment of anger and agents of chaos, they own this. Taking on life with a degree of vibrancy and assertion, my envy is palpable. I feel like this is a very fitting allegory to my own growth, holding on to so much anger and disdain for myself, and still that same childlike awe for living a bit more unabashedly yearns to rear its head. Like those little goslings, never the wiser in their contained universe, encased by a busy intersection, a business district, I'm allowed to share this with them before I depart and head back to my place of labor. Before the exhaustion of empathetic musings and the critical nature of myself are forced to run rampant for the remainder of the day. How curious that we still find lessons passed on from animals. That these geese, now matured, occupy this little pocket of the world so unapologetically and with a tenacity I can't help but admire. If one can own a space in such a manner... Perhaps it's not within the realm of implausibility that I, too, can do the same. I'm thankful for these little mentors for quelling the destruction in me, if not just for a short while. Last night, you sauntered into a dream. In that brevity, I ceased to fall further into chaos. In me, you've stirred a perpetual vertigo, leaving my balance to falter at your behest. My world is in a nonsensical shift, so different from the other times I've known, as with this time. There was a drunkenness to it. I drank you in, little one, or perhaps it was you who drank me in. In your gaze, I saw a love I didn't know could ever be reserved for me. And I wept until we were both clutching each other at the edge of the universe. Mine or yours, I could never say. In you, I saw the calm before every moment of isolation, maddening uncertainties, anxious descents. And then I woke up. 
How can I aptly explain the ebb you imparted in me? I only write this as my head is still spinning, now drunk off of raw emotion, pouring everything out I know in libation, to get the scene of you back. Us encased by landscapes of water, where reflection ceased to be cruel in a newly quiet mind. We were happy. At least, I want to believe we were. Sitting next to scenes that rippled at the slightest breath of touch, I'm still screaming into a chasm, but now I'm seen. My own memories intrude their way from the pages devoted to you. I'm an adolescent again, and I'm filled with a purgatory of anger and confusion when words die in my throat in the presence of confrontation. My fears and my anger are invalidated because I am young, forwards now to an age where I'm all too familiar with a preconceived nihilism that seems to be a consequence of the clumsiness of adulthood. I am seen, I am loved, I am a son, a brother, a man trying to turn pain into practicality. It took how many years to get to this moment? And yet I'm still trying to find completion through other people. These memories flood their way from the recesses of mind, and I can't help but be awash but what I can only call a myriad of longing and sadness and simultaneous relief. Because you're not real and I'm not quite ready for you. When we meet, I want you to see me for who I am, as an amalgamation of insecurity and uncertainty and a heart that swells for you and endless like a tide's bowl, painting my canvas now with you in mind. Alchemic Recipe for a Less Reluctant Life Morrissey said that it took strength to be gentle and kind, and I'm finding new meaning in that every time I catch myself falling in love with living again, each time with a bit less confusion than the last. I used to believe I could only see rainbows in grayscale. I used to pray that I was so far beyond saving, if not to make my personhood seem more prevalent of being there. Untreatable was perhaps a word that plagued my lexicon, and the existence I've come to know was as anomalous to me as those of my spectators. I wanted to believe it. I saw my compassion and empathy as a weakness, because what everyone fails to mention is how deeply hatred can infest its way into your heart. When all you have is kindling, craving warmth and craving destruction start to carry the same meaning. Everything was beautiful, and nothing hurt. How naive. Everything had to hurt before it became beautiful. Is suffering not wisdom? Let it be known that I made a home here. Scavenging its recesses, I found the ingredients to transmute a soul into something long thought met its end. My throat bleeding to ghost face and tribe and J5 down a rain-soaked midnight highway, getting smoked out watching Evangelion and Redline with someone who requires no explanation for the existence you both share. The quiet moments after finishing a book that unknowingly began to unravel an entire being to its core. Bitter swallows of instant coffee with someone you love, more so out of forced politeness than to draw embarrassed attention to an absence of sugar and creamer. Being cleansed in messy shih tzu kisses and having your existence celebrated with enough love for the both of you. Sharing a meal with unlikely friends in an unfamiliar part of the world, drinking each other with eyes glossed over, the lingering wisps of petrichor and tea herbs making your head swim in ecstasy, exposing never-vocalized hopes and wounds to a room full of people who only wish to heal with you. Each of you have become my mentors in one form or another. 
and my heart swells almost agonizingly with this knowledge that it was necessary to have died in one life for the purpose of living towards another. Oh well, enough said. You kill radicalism with pussy. I bring no better ammunition to this fight, or nothing that has already been brought to the forefront at least. From my position I've known it was suicide and how all too accurate that statement is because by your hand you killed whatever it was that made you feel whole at one point. And whether you decided to be your own executioner as a means of coping with whatever fuckery you were tasked to endure, or whether you assigned yourself to be your own punisher as you seem to have a heart on for that imagery, you learn to cast aside yourself and let what semblance of you be solicited. I have inherited a world on the last dregs of its life, pillaged in the American crusade. Accountability is an afterthought for the thugs who claim to protect us. Somebody's mental breakdown was trending again today. Another troubled white youth on the news, a slap on the wrist amidst the body count. Self-defense, vigilante, just angry people who wanted their voices heard. To name a few of the phrases parading across my already reddening vision. And my knuckles are raw and bloodied from the jagged glass entombing my reflection. Knowing fully well our threads of fate too narrowly entwined. And how often I'm reminded I'm a pussy or whatever expletive buzzword of your choosing for not normalizing my trauma. So, fuck yes, I'm angry. I see this abusive relationship in front of me. I see a semblance of a way out, and it seems damn near impossible to make efforts to understand the people who shrug off my existence, to spare the last of my compassion for those who'd rather see it manipulated and make profit from it. And the most vile part of this is I can still forgive you, because I was you. And at one time you were me, and I understand you because living is just so fucking hard some days. And the way out I thought I found came in the form of pills, and dry heaving blood and bile on the bathroom floor the morning next. What semblance of my existence was left, seething and convulsing on the linoleum in the same way. My body still remembers that rage now albeit now more like a hollow twinge of sadness that I learned to swallow with acid coating my tongue. And your way out mirrors my own, because you too overdosed on pills, just not quite in the literal context I took. All the same, we were both left to devise a way out of the coffin we seemed to want to burrow ourselves in. Our biggest trauma has always been our loneliness, hasn't it? Our way out came in the form of sucking relentlessly on the tit of the screen that nursed us at a too volatile time, wordlessly accepting what the manufactured shit peddlers, sorry, free thinkers, praying and soliciting on our loneliness and misunderstood rage had to offer. Sorry, I forgot I was practicing compassion. And I see the way out. You see, I've found the answer towards combating this manufactured hatred you call rationality wrapped up in an often illogical little bow. Get a cat. Love something so far removed from yourself. Appreciate those finer mundane moments with company aiding in producing your joy and in revitalizing yourself. 
perhaps you'll find some contentment with this little being that adores you unabashedly and wholly. Remember to take no small joy in the existence you occupy being celebrated every time you walk into your door. When that self-hatred and tides of yourself begin to ebb, look beside you. And if this is the wrong kind of love you claim, if this is not the right kind of embrace you longed for, the tender little intimate moments you've hypothesized for yourself relentlessly, oh, forgive me, that wasn't the kind of pussy you were talking about. 19. It remains to say... It's far from uncommon to feel moments of weakness and loneliness. You've endured this, I know. Losing law... Okay, hold on, let's restart that one. Cool. Take two. 19. It remains to say it's far from uncommon to feel moments of weakness and loneliness. You've endured this, I know. Long past a point of reprieve, thinking all you have, all you have left astray. This truly is such a perplexing age to navigate, surpassing innocence, coming into the cusp of newly found purpose, all the leftover dregs of misguided rage and adolescence. I am unworthy of being saved. You say all this to your porcelain confessional, face wet from tears and bile, on the days you let it all come down. Know the love I hold for you. Know that you will never be alone in this world as long as I am here. You do know this. Your eagerness for so much life to be lived, the tenacity to discover beauty and worth in all those you felt wronged you. I am in awe of your strength and your want to think yourself deprived of. There is wisdom in suffering, my dear one, more than you know. This morning... You woke up feeling ephemeral after the fact. You were beside yourself. Whether in relief or anguish for trying, your body was that of another. See, you did carry on. To be able to reflect on this today, when the question of yourself ebbs its way into the recesses of your mind, you learned to exhale. I don't usually cut in, but... I will for this one. Who was that written for? Who was the... Me. To yourself? Yeah. 19, to your 19-year-old self? To my 19-year-old self who... I don't make it a secret that I, you know, I've made an attempt on my life before. Mm. And so, you know, it's kind of like once you've hit your rock bottom, you can really only go up from there mm. and kind of show yourself that forgiveness. And that's probably the best, the biggest act of self-love is to show yourself forgiveness in all your mm. darkest moments and your worst moments and just reflect on that. That's powerful. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I am too. Glad to be drinking this tea with you. Mm. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> Nico, welcome to The Poets. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to immediately ask you about Morrissey, because I think I heard his, his name mentioned <laughs> like maybe two or three times in that set. Um, how, how is he an inspiration to you, or, or what, why does he feature in your poetry so frequently? 
so when I was re- referencing Morrissey for one of them, it was Smoke Signals is a Phoebe Bridgers song. Uh. So like the inspiration for that was like, it was just like a really, oh, yeah. so the inspiration for that one, it was just like a, I don't know, it's just like an off night. And then I just kind of like was on my patio in my apartment complex and I was smoking and I was just it was and it was late and I was just kind of like just decompressing and listening to smoke signals and there's a line in there um with Morrissey in it um and then there's like another instance so there's a song called um I I know it's over Mm. and there's a specific line in there called it takes strength to be gentle and kind Mm. wow and I think about that a lot because we really do we really do kind of see like compassion as a weakness or at least that's kind of like what the more like cultural weight side of things is kind of like veering towards like compassion as a weakness and you have to like bottle everything up and you have to be just like this emotionless. And I say this very pretentiously, <laughs> this like alpha man, oh, yeah. you gotta be just this like emotionally regressed husk of a person to succeed. And yeah. you know, that's, not the point of writing that's why i do this like i write because you know it's 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 my reaction to everything like it's my vehicle to like navigating shit that makes me feel unhinged or happy or you know like in that moment like when i'm talking about that one with like the baby geese yeah i was having like a particularly rough day at work you know healthcare gotta love it mm. <laughs> I've now been in healthcare for the better part of seven years. God damn. Yeah, and I work in a cancer clinic. Oh man. But it's rough work. And but you know, you don't do it because you do it because you care. You do it yeah. for the patients and you do yeah. it because like You're not you don't do it for like the millions and millions of dollars that you get for it? What no. I'm you kidding. mean healthcare workers? <laughs> this, right. This is news to the me. The overpaid healthcare healthcare workers in our society, right? <laughs> I'm huh. fucking with you. Uh, I wanted to ask about smoke signals. I don't, I'm not going to get the words exactly how you said them, but you were sort of talking about like the desire to add to like artistry as a whole, like the pantheon of artistry or something like that. How, how real is that desire in you? Like how, how often are you sort of thinking about that broad art artistic landscape and where you fall within it? You know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, this is ultimately for me. I didn't start sharing my writing in a public capacity until like maybe like two years ago, mm. give or take. Like I had never shared anything before to anybody. And, you know, I realized I am good at this. I like it. I really just have treasured the people I've come to know from it and the friends I've made. And it's just, it's humbling to know that and I'm not really even in it for like the slams or really anything. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, if I at least move someone, that's my, that's my win. Yeah. I won the slam. Yeah. Like the internal slam. Hell yeah. Like if I move somebody and you know, it's like people come up after you, after you're a set and they're just like, Hey, that was great. Or thank you for sharing or cause people want to heal with you and people want to that connection. And if that connection is in the form of, you know, familiar experiences or maybe helping to word, like find the right words for people who didn't really 
know how to say it mm. or how to describe that, like maybe that lonely feeling or just that feeling of contentment or that's why I do it. And when I talked about like that artistry and like I smoke signals is definitely a favorite song of mine. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's definitely on repeat. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just when I hear that song, I think, you know, this is a really great piece of art and life is hard and that we get through life with great art. Yeah. And, you know, maybe what I do is that to somebody or maybe not. But at the end of the day, I have to acknowledge that like art is for everybody. Um, of course, always subjective. And <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, if I move somebody, then that's all I care about. Yeah. If I could just relate to one person, then I, I won. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a success. That's really it. That's a success. And that's when I'm talking about like sharing this moment of artistry because, you know, music is as public as it is and accessible as it is. We get to share that feeling of like that lonely feeling, that isolated feeling, that decompressed feeling. And it's good. It's <laughs> yeah. It's a shared language. It is for music, our experience. such a universal language. And that's, that's our art. Absolutely. And, so two years ago, you said you started sharing poetry in public. Was that at the Mercury Cafe or? Mercury was my first time. First time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. First time I ever shared, like, I was shaking horrendously. Oh, same. Um, same. <laughs> and I didn't know about open mic, so I accidentally signed up for the slam first. Oh. <laughs> and I made it to the second round, which is cool. Hey, nice. Like, on first try, that was cool. Absolutely. <laughs> do you do the slam these no. days anymore? No. No. No, no, no. Friday, Friday <laughs> just, night's more, Friday more your my, vibe. Yeah, <laughs> Friday night's more my vibe. Just, you know, it's just like, it's a really different atmosphere. I don't yeah. know. It's more relaxed, yes. more friends, more like, I could just listen and it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just like, it's the pit of anxiety that like wells in me when it's like, they're like grading your score yeah. and they're grading the work you say and you're yeah that's like, oh i've never done it i've never been on stage for the slam but uh i don't know it sounds brutal <laughs> it i'm, looks I'm just not a competitive person either uh, yeah so it's like you know i'm not really in it to do the slam i'm just i do it for me i yeah. do it because like i've you know i've been writing for a long long time since i was like pretty young mostly poetry or just everything, everything short stories um I've gotten in trouble for a few short stories from in who creative writing class uh, because of subject matter or what? Yeah. That what, too. what were they? So <laughs> my dumbass, I was um, <laughs> writing, I was writing a horror story and um, it was like this, like one girl who's like a runaway and she gets in like a scuffle with a police officer who was um, like, hey, you need to get back home, like, curfew's over, and, like, you have to go back to this place, and she's just, like, freaking out, and she doesn't know what to do, so she panics, and she gets in a scuffle, and then she, like, pushes him away, and then a car hits him. Whoa. So, my, my dumb ass, I go to, like, my teacher, and I'm like, how do you kill a cop? <laughs> <laughs> this is in, what, high school? Yeah, this is, like, sophomore year, I think. <laughs> you know, like... 
very, a very tone deaf child. And it's like <laughs> what they say. They're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just like, and then like not too shortly after I got a, like a, not a detention slip, but like a slip to talk to like one of the people, like, Somebody making sure that you're not <laughs> somebody out there and, and I had to be like I, I had to sign a paper that says I have no intention of killing higher authority. <laughs> I'm just a dumb baby child who doesn't understand that's a no no. Uh, don't that, do that. That form is in a file cabinet somewhere still with the, with your signature on it not, saying that you're not gonna kill cops. <laughs> Not to, yeah, some in like some file somewhere. Yeah, it's like potential threat, and like me who at this time I was probably like this like five foot geeky little dude. <laughs> God, a big threat to cops everywhere. Yeah, course. with like this like weird looking mullet and braces. <laughs> yeah, you watch out. Um, and then like that's not to also mention fan fiction. Like, who doesn't write fan fiction oh, yeah. when they're young? Oh yeah. Like, I had a tiny following on DeviantArt, too, because I do, like, Kingdom Hearts fan fiction. Hell I do, like, yeah. um, like Tales of Symphonia, Tales of the Abyss. Um, Is that stuff still out there? Probably, right? It dies with me. It <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it was rough. I wanted uh, to ask, we, obviously, we don't have to get into specifics here. Answer this question how you will. How many of the subjects of your poems, when your poems are about a person are real and like born from real experience all the time all of them like it's when i write it's how i react to things mm. it's like because how i end up writing my pieces is i'll get really transfixed on like a specific word or a specific phrase um and then i'll just i'll like write down this phrase and i'm just like high-fiving myself i'm like fuck yeah i'm the man this line is so cool i'm gonna i gotta use this in something and then i write around it okay so that's... you give an example from maybe one of the ones you shared i don't know if i don't mm. know if there's one that comes to mind Oh shit! <laughs> Meh, not probably not off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, but... yeah, whatever. I'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Anyway, I wondered if we could. We've sort of done this, but let's. I've not really done this with anybody on the podcast before. Specifically, I I, I wondered if we could break down the poem as an art form and talk about why you think it, it calls to you as like a way of reacting to things and expressing yourself. What is it about putting words together in lyrical ways that is useful or satisfying? I don't know. I don't even know if the question makes sense. No, I get what you're saying. It's I do what sounds right to me. Like if it sounds kind of like musical and you know me as a musician like i've been a, mm. i like between like bass and piano and guitar and actually just recently picked up acoustic again nice you know gotta impress people with wonderwall oh yeah around the campfire <laughs> right break it out yeah it's a campfire <laughs> gotta whip out a wonderwall <laughs> oh jesus um <laughs> um no but it's just you know i don't feel right if i'm not making some kind of form of music or artistry or and you know it's like i realized after because i'm pretty comfortable with short stories mm. but poetry was never really something like 
and I, I don't claim to be any expert. Like I just, I write what sounds good, what yeah. sounds good in my head. Um, An expert on poetry sounds fucking insufferable. Let's just be honest. It sounds really pretentious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're just going to get starting getting into rhyming schemes and <laughs> limericks and... <laughs> <laughs> sorry to, I mean, sorry to any experts in poetry out there. Reach out. <laughs> Reach out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'd be very welcomed on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. And prove us wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I, you're not insufferable. No, maybe you're a really nice person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. But um, when I, when I go and write, like, I write what sounds good to me and I write what sounds relatable because I kind of think like, I never really thought of myself as having a style other than Mm. I just want to relate to people. I want to be able to share this like space and, you know, just say what's on my mind, say what's on my heart. And if it resonates with someone, then even better. But I guess if I were to call it a style, it's like maybe holding a really uncomfortable mirror to yourself. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that that's a thing. I don't know uncomfortable self-reflection yeah you know because a lot of the things i write is like these are all things that have happened to me or they're like things that have happened within my life or like i'm writing in that moment like like that one with the baby geese again i was just Mm -hmm. just having a day at work and i was just like i'm just like at a low point i want i'm like have these like you know you, you joke about it's just like i'm gonna kill myself and you know it's just like you don't really, if that's just something you say, that's just kind of like, and, you know, I was just thinking about that and I was just like, well, I'm just having a shit day. And then I see these little, little geese walking around and I'm just like chilling at the park by my work. And I'm just like, I'm good now. Nice. Like, it's like this like nice park, just like right across from like my outpatient clinic. And it's just, the geese were just chilling and I saw the mom just walking with the babies and they walked into the water and I was just like, I feel a lot better now. That's amazing. Thanks baby geese. That is amazing. Hell yeah. So have you ever had anything published? (laughs) Is that too forced? (laughs) 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 So, you know, random question that just popped into my head. You seem like the kind of person who's had something published before. Is that true? Well, <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> so actually, when I was like in second or third grade, this was my claim to fame. And I guess you could say maybe this started an interest in writing, but... I had something published in like a highlights for kids magazine. Um, We had like this journal prompt of like the teacher has a paper bag on the desk and they leave and then you see the paper bag move and then you write about what happens after. So then I wrote about me and the class getting like sucked into like this interdimensional realm and so we literally had to fight like demons and monsters and zombies and fight our way out of a paper bag you were how old i think i was like seven or eight i was like i was like young and um but i remember my teacher was just like really impressed and she's like hey do you think we could i could submit this over and then i was featured in like a highlights for kids magazine and nice i'm pretty sure it's out of publication and (laughs) The one little copy I did have is lost to the 
lost to the grains of time yeah, and like seven or eight moves yeah uh, other than that i think um i you know i've been talking about writing a book for some time and i have like a pretty much an outline and everything and i have like a whole collection of poetry i could probably turn into a book yeah talk to anyone of the the ogs at the mark they'll tell you make a book make it make a book of poetry other than that like i only i think i've had like a couple things in like as like a freelance writer for like some zines and i don't remember the names i just i remember just like being super short on cash and Mm. like seeing ads for like we need a freelance writer and i'm just like I can write good. Yeah. I can make words yeah. sound good. Hell yeah. I need money. It all tra- it all traces back to that first publication, right? That uh, you got a taste of that published writer life. <laughs> the success went to my head and I peaked and it's been downhill ever since. Oh no. No, well we'll find new peaks. We'll definitely <laughs> find new peaks. Well, Nico, thank you for being on the show. This was fucking awesome. Um you can, what do you want to direct people toward? Socials, anything online, any of your work anywhere? Where where should people go to find more find more Nico? <laughs> uh, I have a really tiny Instagram following. Um, and let's pump uh, it up, folks. <laughs> yeah, and then that's probably going to be in a description somewhere. But it's a yeah. uh, Nick's Poetry N Y X X Poetry. And I definitely took the Nick's part from Persona 3. Persona 3? Is it a movie? No, it's a video game. Oh, apologies. It's it's a really long JRPG. JRPG? What is a JRPG? Oh, a Japanese RPG. Oh, Japanese RPG. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) It's it's like, it's a good game. Hell yeah. It's, It's really out there, but it's a good game. If you know Persona, you know. Okay. You know. Okay. Persona 3 is the shit. Fuck yeah. So Instagram is the place for people to find you. Yeah. Um, and then just Mercury yeah. Cafe on Fridays. Open mic. Hell yeah. Like, Come on out, folks. Come meet Nico. Nico, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, man. Bye, Thanks everybody. for having me. Oh.